0: let turn our hearts in prayer as I lead us. Let's go before the Lord. Almighty God, we praise and thank you for redeeming us from the bondage of sin and death. How you've drawn us out of the horrible pit that we were in, in our self-righteousness, in our constant disobedience, From the moment of conception father deserving of your eternal judgment but you had mercy on us and you set us on our feet upon the rock which is the lord jesus christ thank you for the joy and the gladness that gives us that you have overcome our greatest enemy, which is death and hell, through the substitu- substitutionary death of Christ. Father, thank you for what he's done for us. Father, our desire and our prayers and our worship and our singing as we lift our hearts up to you is to offer our whole lives as a thank you for all that you've done for us. Father, we're so mindful of, of of cares and troubles in this world. So often we are uh, distracted from eternal things. Our my, our hearts are prone to wander away from You. So we ask that You would give us a new measure of grace this morning to hear and to repent of our sins. To hear the Word to, to Have it do its work in us to repent of those things that your word reveals that are sin in our lives and to change us. Father, when we gather to worship, you tell us to pray for specific things. In the directory of worship, which is your word, you tell us to pray for those in authority. You tell us to pray for kings and rulers. We're grateful we live in a land where we do not have a king, but we do have representatives that are authorities. We have judges, we have um, uh, law enforcement officials, we have military personnel, and we're to pray for them regularly in worship, that there might be peace and there might be order, in order that we might worship and have the ability to share the gospel to share our faith with others. Father, we're grateful um, for our brother Don Snipes, who's coming next Saturday to teach uh, us uh, how to better share our faith with our neighbor. Bless Don and his preparation as he comes. Father, uh, the weather has been difficult, and this important event has been rescheduled, but Father, may it not lessen our desire to be here to be instructed, and how to um, have some tools uh, in our belt that we might be able to give an answer to the hope that is in us. And we confess that our only hope is Jesus. The only hope of our children is Jesus. The only hope of our grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends, is the Lord Jesus and the forgiveness that comes from him alone so Father help us to be instructed in such a way and our hearts be moved in such a way that we desire to share our faith. Father we pray through the, through that event. Father we pray for members who are sick. We have members who have chronic illness and disease and that are undergoing various treatments. We ask that you they would be uh, they would respond and be healed through these. We have Members who are waiting tests and uh, have um, them scheduled and are waiting for tests that might reveal underlying uh, problems, we pray for those and we pray that you would uh, use those to um, bring healing as well. We pray for members who are getting over uh, sickness and uh, being uh, restored. We commit them to you. We pray for our mothers who are expecting. We pray for their, the protection of mothers and their unborn children. We commit them to you. Father, we pray for those who are suffering grief and loss, and um, we pray that they would know the comfort of, of the Lord Jesus, uh, who is very near to the brokenhearted, and uh, understand how much you love and care for them, even in the midst of these Circumstances, because he has gone there himself, thank you for our Lord Jesus, who entered into flesh as we've confessed who who uh, did so without sin of any kind in order to offer himself as our substitute and Father, help us in our in our worship today to look to him in the Word and in the sacrament before us to prepare our hearts in such a way that we would not eat and drink judgment upon ourselves. Father, we pray for um, Uh, the beginning of the school year father we pray for students we pray for teachers at every level we ask that you would bless this um, incredible uh, opportunity we have to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the lord and we pray for all those who assist and come alongside of parents in their responsibilities father uh, bless that work we pray Bless, again, your word this morning, its reading and its exposition. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 1. We're preaching through this book, this incredible book of the Bible, known as Romans, because the Apostle Paul addressed it to the Romans, it was his lifelong ministry desire to go to Rome uh, in order to preach the gospel, and it's where he ended up, and it's where um, he gave his life, finally, for the gospel. Um, So someone gave great advice one time, you should live your life with the end in view and think about what you want written on your epithet And uh, on your uh, tombstone, and that's what the apostle Paul did. And this is his magnum opus. This is his his great exposition of uh, the gospel. And so uh, there's a lot of repetition, but it follows immediately after the book of Acts. And I would encourage you, as we go through this series, to read the book of Acts and get get some more of the background of uh, what Paul's talking about and, and from where he's writing as he uh, ends up in Corinth for some time and uh, dealing with issues there and his desire to finally get to Rome. So continuing um, where we left off last week at verse 8 this week, And I'll read uh, verse 8 of chapter 1 to verse 17. Give your attention to the word of God. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles." I am under obligation both to Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. For faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Father, bless to our understanding the reading and exposition of your infallible and errant word. Amen. Rome was, in the first century, the center of the world. We, uh, If you're familiar with Roman history, and hopefully you are, you know there was uh, essentially a thousand-year reign of Rome, 500 years uh, before the birth of Christ, and almost 500 years afterwards, um, this incredible uh, culture historically built on the more ancient culture of the Greeks and taking it to a whole another level but it was the center of commerce, of trade, and of power. It was through the infamous Pax Romana, the Roman peace, uh, that enabled the connection of all of the known world through the incredible ingenuity of the Roman roads and the Roman uh, trade r- routes and um, all of the uh, military uh, conquest of uh, warring nations, uh, it created an environment in which our Lord Jesus, sovereignly overruling all of these historic uh, circumstances, entered the world. And he had ordained uh, that the Apostle Paul, formerly Saul of Tarsus, a great rabbi, would be converted and become the Principal spokesman for the Christian faith, this humble servant, so knowledgeable in the scriptures, moved by the Holy Spirit through his missionary endeavors, which are recorded in Acts, while he's at various missionary sta- uh, stations. This is, he's a missionary on the field when he writes these epistles. He's a missionary in Corinth writing this letter ahead to Rome where he desires to go. And so what does he want to impart to them? After the introduction in verses 1 through 7, he says in verse 8, first, now, now, you almost think he's a preacher here when he says first. But you keep looking, you, he doesn't say second or third. He doesn't have four neat or five neat points that all begin with P. I don't know if you noticed that this morning. Paul does this often. I don't, think he, I don't think he forgot his second point. I know he didn't. He's just saying the first priority I have. The first thing that I want to say. I want to thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. And why? Because their faith is being proclaimed in all the world. That's a very interesting verse. It's the same root word proclaimed that is used for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus. And what he is saying is their faith in Jesus is being proclaimed. People know that there is a great revival sweeping Rome. And people are putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ because of that faith. And he's thankful to God for what he is doing. It should be our earnest desire that people would come to have that kind of faith that is being proclaimed in the world. We see glimpses of it. We see it at times. I, I love uh, the, the college football bowl season, and, I, and I, don't, I, can't, I don't have the patience to watch an entire game usually, but I like to watch the end. Because invariably, there will be some bold athlete on there who will unashamedly confess his faith in Jesus Christ before the whole world. And the, all the announcers cringe and fall back. And ooh, he didn't say that. Because they get it. A child of God gets it. They get the point that, that if they are placed in a position of leadership, and they are placed in a position of... Uh, where they can make a confession of faith in Jesus, they should take the opportunity and so Paul is grateful for the Romans and we know we know from later on in the book of Romans and from paul's other epistles that many in the Roman government, many in the Roman legion, many in the uh, uh, in the uh, center of power in Rome were believing in the gospel. We know it from, we know that Paul stood before the proconsuls. We, we know he stood before uh, all kinds of political leadership. And in every instance, as he was hauled before the magistrate, he gave his testimony and how the Lord saved him and appointed him to preach the gospel. I'll give you a little preview of share your faith with this. I think I've been through it three, four times, and I always love going through it again. But one of the things you learn is the most powerful witness and testimony you can have to someone is to tell them how the Lord saved you. People will listen to your story if you have a sincere interest and care about them. And that's what Paul is saying about the Romans. The first thing I want to say to you is your faith is being known everywhere in the, in the world. In all, in all the world. That's a, that's a big statement. So many false religions, so many... So many things that are parallel to our current situation and our culture to Rome. The entertainment culture, the, the, the things that dominated the, the landscape of Rome, uh, the false gods that were ever at every doorstep, the the uh, Roman Colosseum, the, the uh, uh, entertainments, which were everywhere. And yet what was truly... Transforming was the gospel of grace at work in the Romans' lives. So Paul uh, begins with that first, and then he continues with his prayer. His prayers for the people and the success of his mission. Um, we, we, uh, got, we have a missions conference uh, coming up, and, and it's going to be a wonderful challenge, and, and I hope you all avail yourself to attend. You'll hear wonderful missionary reports, and you'll be extremely encouraged, and you'll be asked to consider sacrificially how you will uh, give through Faith Promise. For the sake of World Missions, we set our Faith Promise budget on a whole different schedule than our regular budget, and uh, you'll hear a report about that tonight. This has been a, a banner year for missions giving. And we pray, give all praise and honor to God for, for doing that. But if you really want to know the success for missions, it's not, it's not going as Paul went. It's not giving, even though giving is important. There are elements of it. The true success is praying. It's prayer. Paul says that God is his witness. How much he prays. How much I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. That without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will I may at last succeed in coming to you what is prayer maybe maybe you're just new in the christian life and you 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 don't really have you haven't really uh, develop your prayer life. I want to encourage you. One of the best ways to do that is to pr- come pray with others. Or, you know, if you can't come on Wednesday night to, to our regular prayer meeting, there are other opportunities at the men's Bible study and other places to pray with others. I want to encourage you, if you haven't erected a family altar at your dinner table and uh, in, in, in your home to pray together with your spouse and with your children, that you would do so. But what is prayer? What are we doing in our secret prayer closet when we pray? Our confession says, our our, uh, catechism says that prayer is an offering up of our desires to God for those things that are agreeable to his will. In the name of Christ, with the confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement. Of his mercies. That's, that's a definition of prayer. It's an offering up of our desires. So often our desires don't align with the, with what God's desire is. We had a wonderful reminder of that this morning in the in Paul Tamerling's marriage class of our Lord Jesus, whose desire <laughs> In the Garden of Gethsemane was that somehow, if possible, this cup would be removed from him. But his prayer didn't stop there. It went on. Nonetheless, Father, not my will, but your will would be done. The Apostle Paul's life is an example of that. He wanted to get to Rome. Rome was the thing. Rome was the place. And he prayed, and he kept being providentially hindered. He kept having to do something else before he got to Rome. He had all kinds of things that are going on in his life that prevented him from that. But nonetheless, it did not stop him from praying. Sometimes God providentially prevents us. He wanted to get there to impart a spiritual gift. It says in verses 11 through 13. The truth is that God always answers prayers. He always answers prayers. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. Some of us are praying for loved ones who are lost. And they haven't come to faith and we wonder how long. Do we have to wait? We don't know whether God will save them or not, but we're called to pray. We're called to wrestle with prayer. The, the Apostle Paul wrestled with his fellow Jews. We'll see this later in Romans. He, he says, "If I, I wish I could be accursed in their place. He so longed for his relative's salvation. That should be the attitude of our hearts. But sometimes God in his providence, well, always God in his providence rules everything. But part of his providence is our prayers. It's a great mystery how they're used to accomplish his will. I mean, there, there are, are, are small groups in the Reformed faith, and fortunately they're small, and because of this, I believe they remain small that believe that, you know, you shouldn't even pray. Why pray? God's ordained everything, why pray? Well, that's disobedience to God to have that attitude. The reason we pray is we know it is God's means to accomplish his will on earth as it is in heaven. Because Jesus taught us to pray this way. Paul wanted to go to Rome so that he could impart a spiritual gift to them. There is no greater joy in the life of the ministry of the Apostle Paul than to see others share their faith. To see others pray. To see others depend upon God. And to see the advancement of the kingdom of Christ in the world. When we we gather, the whole point of gathering the church on the first day of the week, which is now our Sabbath day, is to gather to experience the rest of Christ in the gospel. To come away from all the normal activities that crowd our schedule and crowd our minds. And to take a day and our our, our confession says the whole day should be devoted to uh, the things of God and to the gospel. Sit under his word. That's why we worship the Lord morning and evening. You know, we'll hear a wonderful report of the Lord's work this year tonight. We'll also hear the word of God read and Expounded briefly because that's what we do when we gather for worship. Should be, there should be no greater joy. The reason we do missions, the reason we share our faith, is so that people will worship the Lord. You realize that's what all history is leading to. The reason for evangelism, the reason for missions is. To join that great chorus of heaven forever, and to declare the worthiness of the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. The reason for missions, the reason for evangelism is to worship, is to lead people to worship. The praise of the glory of God is the goal. And whether it's in a small group, a small Bible study, whether it's in a one-on-one discipleship situation, whether it's in our families, whether it's in a small congregation or a large congregation of thousands, wherever it is, where two or three are gathered in his name, to agree upon the greatest thing at all of all God has promised to be in our midst. Paul, the apostle, saw the fields of pagan Rome. He saw how desperate people were in their sin and rebellion against God, and he talks about it at the end of this chapter, and we'll get to that next week he saw uh, the his fellow jews trapped in the legalism and the bondage of of religion apart from the messiah and he was burdened we we ought to have the same burden we should see we live in a religious world it's it's it, we live in a world of contradictions but i would i would i would say to you that it is no different in principle than first century Rome. We, are, we live in a world full of religion, either pagan religion, the pagan religion of Rome, the primary the goal of that religion was to worship and exalt self. And for every testimony of every ball player I've heard to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, I've heard two that says we did it because we believed in ourselves. I always laugh. Really? Let's see how far that will get you. That was a religion of, uh, of, of the pagan gods, of the pantheon of gods. That was the basic application. And, that, and our current world is rampant with that philosophy. On the other side, there was this, in in Rome, there was this huge Jewish quarter, a quarter of the city. If you look at your ancient map of Rome in your Bible, if you have a good study Bible, I hope you do, look at your first century Roman map, there's a Jewish quarter. There's a whole quarter of the city is full of... uh, Uh, Jewish transplants who were there either through the dispersion of the Jews of the history of the various wars or through commerce or trade. This was even before uh, AD 70 when the temple fell and so many of the Jews were taken into slavery there. Full of self-righteous, legalistic religion. We live in a world full of that as well. We, we live in a world where we, you'll learn the diagnostic questions if you come to the EE class. You'll learn how to ask people if you were to die today and God were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And you will, you will, you will, you will learn to be shocked over and over again in the Bible Belt of the answer that you're going to receive. Over 80% of the time, someone will say, because I've been a pretty good person. I'm going to make it because I'm pretty good. The Bible is clear and nowhere more clear than the book of Romans that the only thing that has the power to change a person from death to life is the gospel The only thing that has the power to produce faith is the gospel of Jesus, the good news that Jesus came to redeem sinners. Paul says he's under obligation. He's under obligation, first of all, he says, to the Greeks and to the barbarians. The Greeks were the the aristocrats. They were the intellectuals. They were the powerful minds of the day. The barbarians were were the crude and the rude? They're, they're, the language barbarians came from the way they spoke. You know, they, they spoke like someone from South Alabama. You know, you to, to speak like that, you put two marbles in your mouth and you and you sound like Bear Bryant every time. I slip into that occasionally, so watch me all the time, right? the polished orator and and the barbarian, both, both of them, to the wise and to the foolish. And I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Because it is the power of God. It is the dynamite of God to change a sinner from death to life. The gospel has the power to transcend all racial, ethnic, religious boundaries. We, we have a world, we live in a world, a culture that's obsessed with um, giving people special rights and favor Based on their ethnic origin, or their racial identity, or their sexual preference, it's just a fact of the world we live in. Some of you live very close to that world every day. Uh, all of us have experienced; many of us have experienced in our families and uh, have seen seen the heartache and the pain for it. Do you understand what's going on there? It is just a false gospel. It's an attempt to to uh, do what only the gospel of grace can do. What Paul is saying here is, this is good news for everyone. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of the gospel to produce the faith that can save. And that alone is what can save. it's the power of salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek for the the bound legalist the religious person as well as for the overt pagan who is indulged in every kind of wickedness in this world the gospel is for everyone who puts their trust in the Lord Jesus. We, um, we support a ministry called Christian Witness to Israel. I don't see Stephen Atkinson. not here. But, um, is oh, there's wives here. Where are you, Wendy? I, see, I hear your voice. There you are. And we, we, we love Israel. We, we love them so much that we want to tell them the truth that there's no salvation apart from their Messiah, who is our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We support the nation of Israel. And we, we support ministries over there like David Zadok with his Grace and Truth Church. But we are not of the mind that simply by being an ethnic Jew that someone has a path to salvation. The Apostle Paul, who was Rabbi Saul, who was the Jew Jew of Jews by his own uh, resume that he gives over in the book of Philippians, makes it clear that the only way to salvation is to believe and put your faith and trust in the Messiah. And the message and the methodology is to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. And we think that methodology is still intact. That's why we support Christian Witness to Israel and and David Zadok and many others who are seeking to bring the gospel to the Jewish people. But it is, the God, there's no more sublime place in the Bible than Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and verse 17 that explains the gospel. What is it? It is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. And that word power is dunamis, which is dynamite. It is the power that brings someone from death to life to everyone who believes. Believes is just the verb form of the noun faith. Faith is the instrument of salvation. Faith is the only instrument of salvation. How do we think of faith? Faith is um, the the, uh, theological definition. It involves three things. It involves knowledge, it involves assent, and it involves your will. And those all have to come together. Our confession of faith calls it the alone instrument. In in 17th century English, the alone instrument of salvation. In other words, it's the only way to be saved. Well, Christ is the only way. But how do you get to Christ? Well, it's by faith. Someone has described it as a pipe or, or a conduit to Christ that God gives us. We have to, we have to exercise it. I mean, we get our, all of our water here from Beaver Lake, right? How does it get to us? There's a pipeline that comes to us. That's how we appropriate the water. Faith is that conduit, that pipeline from Christ's righteousness to us. And that is how his righteousness is given to us. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. It's by faith alone. That's Paul's emphasis. There there is no other way... To receive it as it is written in the book of Habakkuk, chapter two, verse four. He's a preacher quoting a text. The righteous shall live by faith. By the righteous shall live by their connection to Christ, their union with Christ. It's interesting that Rabbi, the former rabbi Saul, would quote Habakkuk chapter 2 which was a book about God's judgment coming upon the nation of Israel through the Babylonian horde racing down on them and and the reason for their for their being destroyed was because of their turning their back upon upon the Lord what is the righteous to do in the midst of destruction Behold, it says, before it says, uh, quotes this verse in, in Habakkuk 2, verse 3, it says, the, uh, Behold the proud. There's, there's, there's no life in him. Behold the foolishness of the proud man. What a, what a condemnation to our age, where pride is all the rage, right? The, pr- the proud heart It's not with the Lord. The opposite of the proud heart is that the righteous shall live by faith. Are you connected to Christ? Is your life united to him? Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may each one, under the hearing of the gospel this morning, understand that righteousness comes through faith in Christ alone and from nothing else. And Father, for us who know that, may our faith be strengthened. If anyone here has yet to understand that, may you, through the word of God, move their heart to put their faith and trust fully in the finished work of Jesus Christ. For we pray in his name. Amen.